And I'm going to be reading from Luke 24, 1 through 49. Follow along with me in your bulletins or in your Bibles. And just before this text, the women who had been following Jesus for these years, who had been ministering to him and to the other disciples, and who had been grieving in shock, dismay, and despair at having witnessed from some distance his crucifixion, knowing that his body had been taken down, placed in a tomb, knowing that by now, on this third day, that his body probably had an odor about it. And in this grief and dismay, we begin our text. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. As they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as, idle, as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and saw the linen cloths by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And while they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that, They had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. 
Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart to believe all the things, all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why, why did doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it, it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the word of God. I wanted to, I forgot to mention that this bowl is going to go home with the slides as a memorial of this day and this baptism. You already have one, right? Put it right next to it. Um, and uh, just want another tradition that we have here at Christ Central Church. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here. And um, I wanted a longer reading this morning because I wanted you to hear the whole story. I wanted you to see a full perspective of the resurrection. And as you can tell, we are taking a break from our sermon series that we're currently in on loving your neighbor to explore the glory of the resurrection together. Understand that this event, the resurrection of Jesus, 
the Lord and Savior and namesake of Christianity, not only makes the faith alive and true, but it makes Christianity a religion founded on nothing short of a paranormal act. And calling its followers to live a paranormal faith. Paranormal is defined as beyond normal explanation pertaining to the claimed occurrence of an event or perception without scientific explanation as psychokinesis, right? Or extrasensory perception, ESP, or other purportedly supernatural phenomena. Well, let me add to psychokinesis and ESP the resurrection of the dead. Not the walking dead, not zombieism, which has a viral scientific explanation. The resurrection is walking into the proverbial light, going to the other side. I'm like, like Jesus dead three days, someone who was dead, now walking around living again. Not grunting and falling apart, no alive and new and eating fish and having conversations with people and teaching Sunday school lessons, alive, resurrected. Can you say paranormal? This is the stuff that would sell in Hollywood with the shaky camera shots, right? A la Blair Witch and paranormal activity movie series, right? Where you are watching a normal shot And then out of the corner, something or somebody walks through the frame or something quick or startling happens that moves so fast or it's it's either so absurd that you can't believe you just saw it and it just sends chills down your spine and common to all of these paranormal movies is that it doesn't all make sense until the end. Until after you have been scared and confused enough. Jesus' resurrection appearances that morning were fragmented, screenshots, seen only in part, understood only in part by some, and the perception of his followers were, was shaky, to say the least. But the resurrection in the accounts in the gospel, and the gospels give us, as a witness in faith, is anything but shaky, though. With that said, what I want you to embrace is that the gospel calls us through a paranormal event to a paranormal lifestyle. The Bible tells us in verse 1 that they, they being the women mentioned in verse 19, is Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women, went early to put spices on the body of Jesus. So back in the day, they didn't have the funeral embalming, so they would put spices on the body so that it wouldn't smell so quickly out of respect for the body. Now, they were a little late getting to it because Jesus died on a Friday, but by the time it took his body off the cross, it was already dark, meaning that it was already the Sabbath in the minds of the Jews, which means that they couldn't get to him until the Sabbath was over, which meant they didn't come to early Sunday morning. I remember the women in my family when my mom passed away. 
My mom's hairdresser came. Then Kelly and my other sisters, sister-in-laws, picking out her dress, going to the funeral home to give the clothes, to lay it out. In other words, in their day, what these women were doing was normal. Now, I would even say that the stone being rolled away was a bit odd, but not completely abnormal. It would be like the funeral home door being wide open. Weird. But okay, somebody forgot to close it. But the Bible says that there where they lay his body was empty. The casket, if you will, was empty. The same one they saw his body in at the viewing at the wake two days before. Now things are strange, but things quickly cross over from normal to paranormal. Because it is not the funeral, funeral director who meets them with an explanation about how the, you know, maybe why the, 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 the stone was rolled away. Or more so, the missing body of Jesus. The Bible says, no, that's not who met him. Two men in dazzling apparel. No, not white linen suit, Sunday morning, Easter morning apparel dazzling. But the word dazzling here is used to describe lightning and the sun and the stars' brightness. And the Bible says that they were frightened and bowed their faces down. Let me help your mind's eye out a bit. Okay, if you didn't see Lord of the Rings too bad. This is like the scene in Lord of the Rings when Galadriel, y'all remember her? She was, you know, normal, sort of. When she responded to the ring and she went all crazy on Frodo, uh, her hair and all went nuts. And it went like into this negative Photoshop where it shot where it was white and black and white, kind of weird. Her face weren't crazy. And yet she had this nutsy voice coming out of her mouth. This is something, you know, when they, this angel came forward, it was like that. This is something you would see in the movie Poltergeist. This was not like the Old Testament where the angels show up and you can't tell the difference between them and the human beings. These angels would make you think and say, you ain't supposed to be here. Or you're not around from around here. And this supernatural being in full Sunday morning, heavenly dress, asked them this question in verse 5. And as they were frightened and bowed down their faces, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? <laughs> Wait a minute now. This is a graveyard. I'm sure the women are thinking, we are here seeking, rightly, the dead among the dead. We saw him die. We're at the graveyard. We're at the tomb. Something and someone is out of place. Some statement is out of place. And it isn't us. That's normal to be at the gravesite looking for a dead body. It's a sparkling angel and a missing body you are now telling us is risen. That is what is out of place. Man, you are freaking us out because this isn't normal. I remember this IQ test that I took like 20 years ago. And it had these pictures, right? 
for those of you who haven't seen these things. And you're supposed to look at the series of them and figure out what is out of place, right? And I remember to this day that there was sunlight, spring flowers, and then snow on a stack of logs. The snow, that ain't right. The resurrection from the dead, ghastly, scary angels talking about we in the wrong place, being in a graveyard to visit a deceased person, that put that puts us beside ourselves that isn't right it isn't normal but the paranormal sunday morning did not stop there the bible tells us that that two disciples of jesus one of which we are told was cleopas were met on a three-hour walk and talk with a fellow traveler who wanted to know what they knew about jesus death and then what they heard happened to the women who went to the tomb that morning and the stranger turns out to be the resurrected Jesus doesn't reveal himself, does a walk through the Bible lesson about the resurrection of the Messiah, and then the Bible says this in verse 28. So they drew near the village after walking for seven miles, three hours, to, 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 to which they were going. He acted as, he, as, he was, as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. I want to focus on a couple of things. Jesus comes in such a way that they don't even recognize him. And then, okay, he vanishes out of their sight. The word for vanish means... To become gone. To become invisible and unseen. How can I say it? You sci-fi comic book fans and paranormal movie fans alike. Jesus sort of teleported out of there. Right? They were looking at him and realized who he was. And before they could look at him good, he was gone. And then the Bible says they return to Jerusalem and join the other disciples and come to find out Jesus appeared to Peter. The word, the word appeared does not assume they had a long conversation. All we know is that sometime that morning Peter saw Jesus, or rather Jesus popped, on, popped up on Peter, I guess on his way back from the tomb. But then the Bible says they were in the house, and the other Gospels tell us behind a locked door out of fear that the Jews would find and kill them for following Jesus. And this is what happened, verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus appearing and all this craziness, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that that it is I myself touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat here? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Simple stuff, right? Regular old stuff, right? You know, one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie, or experienced, rather, was in this movie called The Woman in Black, right? You can tell that's a bad movie. <clears throat> Blame Amari and Sharice Hill. Um, 
Reverend Amari Hill. Um, they forced me to watch it, or they're going to take our friendship away. And, um, and so in this movie, there is a ghost living in a house, and one guy decides to go live in there with the ghost, like any normal person would. And um, there is a scene where you see an empty rocking chair, right, kind of in a corner of the frame. And it's just rocking back and forth four or five times. And then on a sixth rock back, it comes into view and you see a woman all of a sudden sitting, sitting there who wasn't sitting there in the five rocks before. Let me tell y'all, I can still feel the chills going down my body. Me, Kelly, Amari, and his wife, Sharice, all let out this noise in our house. Kelly was so scared, she even started crying. (laughs) It's a rocking chair until some creepy-looking woman's in it. Oh, my God. Woo! Y'all get the point? These followers of Jesus know something or someone is happening around them. Somebody who was dead is walking around. The few of them saw him, right? They just had an empty and unusual frame shots and appearances and the testimony of some women who had lost their minds. And then Jesus just appears, just pops up, doesn't knock like normal people because this is not normal, right? He goes all paranormal on them, right? Talking about peace to you. I'm y'all's friend, hopefully most of y'all. Y'all are pretty nice people. But if you come in your house, right, and you're just sitting there, you lock the door, you close the garage door, and I show up, peace to you. (laughs) It won't be a peaceful encounter, right? I mean, I can see the disciples thinking, how dare you talk about peace be with you when we saw you die? You've been dead for three days, and then you roll up on us like this, not using the door, teleporting yourself, and all of that. And the Bible says that they were startled and frightened. They were visibly shaken. You ever been in a haunted house with somebody who's scared, and they grabbing your clothes and acting crazy? And you got to say, get off me, man. This is what startled and frightened means. They had a visible effect. Somebody was grabbing on Peter, and Peter's like, get off me, man, right? This is, and, and, and they thought the most reasonable thing. This is a ghost. <laughs> this is a ghost, y'all. That's reasonable. That's in our, a realm of belief, right? Because the resurrection bodily would be over the top. A ghost, okay. A resurrected body, no way. And then the Bible says that Jesus tried to alleviate the concern by saying, touch my hands and feet, touch me and see. And the Bible says that they marveled as a result, like, like Marvel comics, right? Where you have to come to terms with people who have powers in some extraterrestrial situation. It means that they were trying their hardest to pull it together in their minds. They are processing. They are in a stupor trying to put the paranormal in the framework of the norm. We spent a few days in Edisto, some friend's house. Remember last summer we went there? They have some big spiders out there. And there was a spider right outside the window. This, I don't know, blue, yellow, but the key word, big. 
It's just funny. Once we all saw it, you would walk by, and it, you mean, throughout the whole week, you would walk by some morning, and one of us would just be standing there like this. Like, just staring at it. Not out of, this is great, I wish I could hold it, but, man, what if that thing got free or got on me? Right? It's, it's that kind of scary, startled look. Like when I see certain bugs, I'm just standing there looking at it, like beside myself. And what am I doing? I'm trying to figure out what it means that this big bug is in my space. Like, what is it going to do? Is it going to file me? Is it going to bite me? Could it sting me? Could I die? Could it be free? Could it little babies have gotten in the house? Is, the, is this the baby and the mama's living in the house? Like, you begin to think. Y'all laughing, but y'all do it too when y'all afraid of something. You know what the paranormality, it's not a word, of the resurrection, now it is on Wikipedia, teaches us and forces us to recognize that like when the Bible says they were frightened and marveled, that there is someone and something good in this case, but still beyond our control, and above our understanding. And this is scary to human beings. You see, the scary thing about paranormal activity and paranormal movies and books and documentaries is is this discovery that there is this entity out there that is around you who cannot be controlled and shut out by your normal means. And it ultimately means that you and I are not in control that you don't and can't see and explain and understand everything in your humanity. Let the resurrection of Jesus startle and frighten you in a good way. There is more outside of your control going on than in your control. That there is a world above and beyond this world. There is, excuse me, there is a world of spiritual beings and real teleporting and people rising from the dead, a world and work of God that says you and I must let ourselves recognize that you are not in control and that in light of Jesus' resurrection, this is good news when you look at this passage. Because it means that there is nothing There is no stone, no locked door, no walking or running away, crucifixion or even death, nothing that normally would stop us or we would use to try to stop God can stop God from getting to us, from being with us, from rescuing us. We can't hide from him. The resurrection is teaching us that God is in control and that Jesus, the risen Savior, is over all that is normal or abnormal or paranormal. And so there is nothing, no sin, no trespass, no betrayal, no guilt, no monster-sized issue, no unseen depression or mental concern, nothing, no demon, no devil, no spirit that your normal life could ever rub up against that the Lord can't ultimately overcome and walk through and be all up or maybe all up in the middle of and lord over. 
See, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, came to take control and lordship over what was controlling you and your destiny and your life. Because guess what? Before you come to Christ, there's only fear and doubt. Not good fear. Doubt and death. Those were the controlling factors, which is normal. But Jesus walks in with resurrection paranormality and changes everything. But not only everything, but everybody. Look at what happens when the story of the resurrection, then even the resurrection Lord himself shows up. When the women tell their story to the apostles of the angel and the angel's words that Jesus had risen, and Mary of Magdalene would have added that she actually saw Jesus, right? That We don't have that in this account. Bible says that they accepted their story as what? Verse 11 says, an idle tale. That they did not believe. And then it says that Peter jumped up when he heard it and ran to the tomb and looked in. He didn't go in, right? He looked in and saw the grave clothes of nobody and that he, nobody there and that he went home what? Marveling. And then when Jesus walked unbeknownst to the disciple, apostles on the road to Emmaus and listened to them talk about what the women reported them, it says this in verse 22. Moreover, this is Cleopas, or one of them talking, some women of our company amazed us. I like that word. They amazed us. This is after they said they were speaking idle tales. (laughs) But it was an amazing tale of Jesus rising, of angels. It was amazing, right? And then, and then when Jesus actually has appeared to some of them and then teleports into the room, the Bible says this word again in verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet in 41. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, There's that word again, marvel. But look carefully, it is coupled in verse 41 with not only the word joy, but disbelief. Disbelief, even though he shows them his hands and feet, just in case they think he's a ghost. And then even when he eats something, you know, here's the test. If he eats something and it falls on the ground, (laughs) broiled fish in, on the ground, you a spirit. Broiled fish in your mouth, and we see it floating in the air. You're a ghost. But apparently it goes into his resurrected digestive system and is chewed with his resurrected teeth. But they do not believe. Has anyone else noticed? I'm noticing just because of my budget. The recent rise in comic book and superhero and DC movies, right? DC Superman, DC is Superman, right? And Batman, right? Okay. And Marvel Comics, Avengers, and Spider, the amazing Spider-Man, the incredible Hulk. And along with those movies, there's also the rise in the shaky camera, paranormal horror, spirit-based movies. It used to be the slasher films like Jason and all of that kind of stuff. Now we moved on. Now it's the ghost genre that's taking over. And they use words like paranormal, like I'm using, right? That, that, That makes it more official. And if they really want to get you, they'll say, based on a true story. (laughs) 
Why do we go to these movies when they are not real? I mean, think about it. We even see actors and actresses from other movies as our paranormal clairvoyant and our spandex-clad saviors. They were just in a romantic comedy at the movie next door, right? (laughs) To be entertained is too simple an answer. I believe we go to be amazed, to marvel, to let Hollywood wow us with this effects. Kelly, with her degree in fine arts, you know, she's always messing the movie up by telling me her technical terms. I'm messing up because I just like to talk in the movie. This reminds me of a sermon illustration. Shut up. You know what the technical term for talking in the movie is? Wrong. No, anyway. But she gave me this term. We go to these movies and the story, you know, of these Marvel amazing super paranormal stories, not to believe, but as she describes it, to suspend our disbelief. This is what you do. So we can feel marvelous and amazed. We suspend our disbelief to get carried away from the truth, to see people escape death and uncontrollable malevolent forces. And here is what I want you to see for two or three hours. We have a real amazing and marvelous experience, but we do not believe. We do not believe because this stuff isn't really happening. When the apostles see Jesus, they are struggling to find a category for what they're experiencing. They can't settle on anything. They don't know what it means for them yet. Get this, they're not watching the Marvelous movie. They are in it. So they can't suspend their disbelief. It's actually their ability to believe is being suspended by the impact of this marvelous resurrection. All of us have made the statement, something incredible happens in real life. What do we say? I can't believe this just happened. Man, can you believe this? Not me. We see something on the news. Man, that is unbelievable. You see, suspension of belief happens when what you've believed all along in your life is shaken at its core, in its foundation, when for the disciples and believers, when the power of the resurrection and its reality disturbs and stirs your life into a tizzy of having to believe something completely new, that Jesus rose from the grave for real. There goes your belief system. See, some of y'all underestimate your conversion. You underestimate what it means for you to sit here and call yourself a Christian. Do you realize that Jesus coming in your life, claiming to be the resurrection Lord, resurrected Lord, and for you to accept that completely destroyed your former belief system? Let me say not only former, your normal, regular human belief system has been destructed and reconstructed by the resurrection of Jesus. Suspension. When Jesus, I believe, when Jesus shows up, they have not figured out how this will affect my life. And life in general, as I see, live, and experience, they are completely freaked out, and they are right where Jesus wants them. Look at verse 44 through 49 with me. 
Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, This, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witness of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. One thing about this paranormal stuff, if you've ever read about or seen some sort of document or heard people tell stories, here's the point. Once they are impacted or freaked out by something paranormal, they become these paranormal freaks, right, who frequent graveyards. Stupid. And have seances to welcome some force. They have no idea what to do if they really enter the room. Dumb. And summon the dead, channeling right stuff, letting their body be filled with what? Crazy. And go looking for paranormal to participate in that stuff. Hey, we heard there was a ghost, you know. And homeboy died over here a long time ago. He was really mean, and people seen him walking around. He's evil. Let's get the cameras and go, y'all. I remember my dad telling me, because in Charleston, you know, you have these ghost stories of homes, and my dad was like, that house right there, they can't sell that house. I'm like, why? Because there's an evil principal who died in that house. Everybody knows that principal. There's an evil teacher or principal that died in that house, and now nobody will buy it because they can't live there. <laughs> okay, I'm trying not to be racist. Help me. I said, Daddy, even white people? He said, yeah, they can't live there either. <sighs> not too many black people in these paranormal movies. They don't last long anyway. <sighs> We'd live in a house the shortest. <laughs> Anyway, that's why property values drop, because we die quick. Okay, that's enough. This is Easter Sunday. It's not a race thing. Speaking of learning community on race, starting next week, I'm teaching it. But these people are crazy, right? They go to these places. Well, there is a thin line here between what is dark and evil and what the resurrection of Jesus does and calls believers to. Uh-oh. All the other cultic and evil stuff is a mimic, an evil, bizarre world, a sh- dark shadow to draw people away from what is true, right? And loving paranormal activity and lifestyle. Jesus and his resurrection calls us to a holy and right and good paranormal lifestyle. You know what Jesus is calling them to? Especially when he says, you receive power on high, whom we discover is the Holy Ghost, right? See, you Christians, y'all have normalized this stuff. I'm going to denormalize it today. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is in my heart, huh? It's the Holy Spirit. He's all around us, huh? You sound like them crazy nuts on the History Channel, right, that are going around with the blue face, green-looking screen things at night. The Holy Ghost is coming into your life, right? The third but like Father God and the other unseen person is the other unseen person in the Trinitarian Godhead, the Holy Spirit, okay? Ready. 
He says, get ready. You are going to have a transformative paranormal experience that will not only make you stop suspending in belief and take your marveling and amazement, but it's going to make you participate and live for and seek and expect some marvelous and amazing things through me. Stuff like this. A gospel that says if you are a sinner, you are a right candidate for being God's child. Huh? That that it's by grace we are saved and not by works. That God loves us more than we could have ever loved ourselves or ever been hated or hate him or others. That the reason Jesus crucified was to save us out of God's love for us. Jesus calling people to be the paranormal freaks of the world who believe there is in, that he's there in spirit and lives in them and through them. That he is calling people to go to the proverbial graveyards no longer to look for the dead among the living but with the gospel as their tool. Digging and investigating and going into the worst part of our and others' lives, the most broken and dead and deadening and deadly areas of our hearts and world and communities to look for and expect the appearing of the life of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to resurrect those deadened, destroyed, and distracted by sin. God's people those impacted and visited by resurrection, Lord, and salvation are gra- grave dwellers, are grave diggers. And those who have walked out of the metaphorical tomb themselves, who have, get this, suspended disbelief forever, and who put the real and impossible and hard circumstances of their lives into the resurrected, pierced hands of a living Savior who takes what they have cooked up in their lives and what has been cooked up in their broken lives and they put all of this mess in his parents' hands and Jesus really takes it and makes a difference in real time and real space. But here's the irony. I'm not asking you to try real hard to believe today. Are real hard to try to be a believer. To try real hard to be a disciple of Jesus. Or try real hard to make yourself amazed or amazing. This church is not the trailer to some awesome force to, to make your emotions believe. I don't believe that'll work either. Do you know what and why I believe? Jesus is really alive. Let me say that again. Jesus is really alive alive. And that the Holy Ghost is real and that he visits people and that he shows up and pops up in people's lives, that he possesses people's lives and hearts and minds and takes control. I believe that as we worship him and pray to him and call on him and eat at the Lord's table, when I share my faith with you and when we share the faith with each other and preach his word, we are participating in an expectant, holy, good, and pure conjuring where Jesus is in control and comes and manifests as he pleases and we believe and marvel and get joyful when and as he does in the lives of people. You know, I must tell you, it's hard to come to church every day, but I still have not stopped believing that as we come, something amazing 
is happening. Something incredible is happening. Your minds are open to the gospel. You have faith. You believe. You sing. Have you lost your minds? No. You've gained the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. You know, us pres- our Presbyterian education can be hard because we can make Jesus more effective by having the most orthodox truth. I agree it helps, but we don't give our Presbyterian theology enough credit in another area. That Jesus is in control. That he's sovereign. I remember talking to a person who wanted to be a part of Christ Central. Wanted to join. But they didn't want to give up or be confronted on some sinful things in their lives. And I said to them, Do you know what kind of place you're coming in? You don't have to worry about me. There could be a chance I may never preach a sermon dealing with your particular sin. But there's a problem at this church. There is one unruly person. There is one person who refused to be ruled and run by me for your safety. There is one person. We can't tell him what to do. And they were like, who's that? I said, it's Jesus. He is alive and an active person in our congregation. And he is out of control as far as we're concerned. But he's in control. Because he's the Lord. This is a place because the Lord rose and a people of paranormal, good gospel activity.